0: Daily with Jason Mertides. Welcome to a Friday edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertedis, brought to you by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Flyers GM Chuck Fletcher met with the media yesterday. I'll have a one-on-one conversation. I was able to catch up with the GM after his media availability. You'll hear that in just a moment. But some Flyers Daily news as we enter the off-season mode for the Philadelphia Flyers, which of course happened upon their elimination Saturday night in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, We are going to move to a Monday, Wednesday, Friday format uh, beginning this Monday. So this will be the last episode of this week, no episode Saturday or Sunday, and we'll bring you episodes on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Draft is just about three weeks away. So uh, we're going to have a lot of draft coverage for you, a lot of free agency coverage and uh, so look backs on the season and some uh, deep dives into some other areas as well. Uh, but again, we'll move to a Monday, Wednesday, Friday Flyers daily schedule uh, for the offseason for the Philadelphia Flyers. Chuck uh, Fletcher met with the media yesterday, uh, broached a number of subjects. His team's playoff performance, the season as a whole, some contract situations, including... Nolan Patrick, who is a pending restricted free agent, and also a health update on the Flyers forward. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers, Chuck Fletcher. Very happy to have you join us here on Flyers Daily. Uh, Following the uh, culmination of a season, Flyers general manager, Chuck Fletcher. Chuck, how are you?
1: Doing doing well. Starting to uh, get back to normal here a little bit. Been quite the sprint and the sudden sudden death ending there, and uh, just trying to... uh, Get back to normal here as quickly as possible.
0: Now, now that you and the team have returned uh, from bubble life, and I'm sure that the reassimilating back into the world, our very unique world right now, what was the experience like for you and, and for the team uh, in total when you look back on it, not from a hockey perspective, just from, you know, the way the NHL and, the, and they set up the whole situation?
1: Yeah, the, the NHL did a great job. I, I think everybody – uh, dealt with it a little bit differently. Some people, some teams seem to adjust quicker than others. Uh, personally, I, I thought it was tremendous. Um, free coffee every morning, Tim Hortons. Uh, had a had a tennis courts, pickle courts, uh, great gym. Had a soccer stadium you could run around, run the steps. So it was a really nice setup from uh, getting outside and getting exercise, all the hockey you could watch, and uh, great food. And, and a luxurious hotels. So can't, I can't complain at all. I think probably for the guys with um, young families, I'm sure it was tougher. Uh, my kids are older and, and have grown tired of, of my advice a long time ago. So my life is a little simpler, but uh, really enjoyed it. The NHL did a great job. And, and it's really remarkable that we've been able to, to, to this time, uh, pull this thing off.
0: Well, the amazing thing, too, is it can really kind of galvanize a group and a, and a young core as well. Chuck, this team had so many young components in these player, uh, playoffs, like Konechny, Sanhai Myers, Albe Kubel, many other young players. How important for you is it, is it for them that they got this valuable playoff experience, not to mention a 22-year-old goaltender in Carter Hart?
1: Well, that's what you hope. Um, you know, you can learn a lot from winning, but you certainly sometimes learn even more from losing. Uh, it, it stings. I think you see things that uh, you need to do better as an individual and certainly we see things we need to do better as an organization. So the key is to learn uh, from those mistakes and, and uh, be honest with yourself. And But what you hope is that the, the experience of being in those high pressure situations will will give you a little bit more confidence the next time you face them. And um, I thought our young guys, uh, you know, like all our players, had some games were better than others, uh, but certainly I thought acquitted themselves well and uh, we are one win away from getting to the final four, so you got to tip your hat um, to the young guys, to to all the players, and and uh, hopefully this is something that'll allow us to even take another step next year.
0: Chuck, having that goalie box kind of checked uh, as a you know a task list is very important. I, I compare it to the franchise quarterback in the NFL, and your old friend Brian Burke has mentioned that goaltending is eighty percent of hockey. Unless you don't have it, then it's a hundred percent. <laughs> How impressive was Carter's performance in, in this his first playoffs at 22 years of age?
1: Yeah, Carter, obviously, for the majority of games, and, and Brian Elliott for a couple as well. I, I thought, uh, you know, like everybody, there's always a bad goal here or there, but um, our goalies gave us a chance uh, basically every game, uh, made big saves, and, and that was a tough, tough environment. Um, you know, we had stretches uh, against the Islanders in particular where we had a hard time getting out of our zone and we were relying on our goalies to make a lot of saves and and they did. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, as a tandem, they worked well together. They like each other, they supported each other and, and uh, you know, look, coming off the 18, 19 season, when we used seven goaltenders, seven or eight, whatever it was uh, to have the stability that we had this year and the performance that we had this year was, was great. and, And it bodes well for the future.
0: Uh, Chuck, after the round robin games, it seemed like the team kind of never really clicked on all cylinders, at least offensively, some real good shutdown performances defensively in particular in that Montreal series. And I know it's difficult to, you know, kind of pinpoint why that is because of these unique circumstances, but how do you assess that element heading into another off season and trying to improve the roster even more, uh, seeing what you saw in these playoffs and getting that extra data?
1: Yeah, well, I think, um, there were games that we uh generated chances and, and certain and, and didn't finish we weren't able to execute there were games that we uh you know in my opinion let our defensive details slip and we turned pucks over uh we got caught three guys uh, in the oz and gave them rush chances uh you know there were games we just didn't have the puck enough in part because we, did, we didn't we did play the game the right way so you know it's hard to score when you don't have the puck and you're defending all the time But but there were games we had looks and, and opportunities and, and, and we didn't finish and, and whether that was bad luck or just uh, we didn't finish or the other goalie made saves, but there, there's no question. Um, we weren't able to generate really anywhere. Um, the haze line, I thought uh, did a pretty good job generating chances. Our first line uh, generated a lot of looks, but didn't finish or our bottom six, didn't score a lot. So, you know, it, it we're going to have to get more depth of scoring up front. And, uh, you know, whether Patrick and Lindblom can, can be two answers to uh, uh, you know, to that problem, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, But, you know, I think we do have some guys in house that can take on a bigger role and get back to health and and help us score more. And, uh, but clearly it it was an issue. We weren't scoring enough goals in a lot of those games.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the big things and, and reason for the progress that you guys had year to year was the hire you made all the way back on April 15th of 2019. Hard to believe. That seems like an eternity ago. Uh, but Elaine Vigneault, in his first year with the Flyers, he was a finalist for the Jack Adams. He came in second to Bruce Cassidy of the Bruins. What's impressed you most about Elaine Al- and the, about the way he does his job both on and off the ice?
1: Well, his preparation's tremendous. Uh, he comes to the rink every day with the game plan, and he executes it uh, nearly flawlessly every day. And just as... You know, the respect he commands, his presence, uh, but because he's so organized and he has the experience he does, uh, and the way he communicates with the players, there's there's very good buy-in, and he has a very good command of the room. So I'd say both the preparation and the command of the room allows him to get the players to play the way he wants them to play for the most part, and, and that's that's a, a great skill, and it's a hard skill to acquire, but, but he has it. Yeah, it's
0: weird. He's a bit of a mix of a player's coach and, uh, you know, kind of the commander. And that's, rare. that's a hard balance, but you got to treat every player individually. Um, Chuck, the, the all season is going to be very unique. It's going to be shortened in some ways and certainly constrained financially with a flat cap at 81.5. And putting together a roster, it's always a puzzle. It's a, you know, maybe a, a, a thousand piece puzzle. You got a 10,000 piece puzzle here. Uh, how do you go about making all these pieces fit with your RFAs, your pending UFAs? players knocking on the door to make the club. How do you kind of approach this off season uh, in, a, in a shorter time window to get business done?
1: Well, you just have to prioritize. Our, our priority will be on our re-signing our own RFAs, getting those players signed uh, uh, to, you know, to, to good contracts for both parties. We obviously have to resolve the, uh, the number two and the number three goaltender situation as both Elliott and Lyon are unrestricted. And then after that, you uh, we have to keep in mind that in the summer of 21 and the summer of 22, we have some key players uh, that will be in need of new contracts too. So uh, we have to balance things not only from a get ready for the 2021 season, but also how do we make sure we have the space we need to do what we have to do to keep keep our core together. So that'll be the focus. And uh, we'll obviously talk to teams around the league and see if there are uh, any sort of hockey trades that make sense seems like those are harder to do than, than they are to uh, scheme up in, in your head. But, um, you know, with, with the flat cap here for the next couple of years, there may be more opportunities in that regard. And we'll certainly be active in pursuing what we can pursue to see if there's something that makes us better.
0: Cap space will be even more valuable. Uh, two players that were in and out of your lineup in the postseason in particular, James Van Riemsdyk and Shane Goss is Baron on a flat cap world. Uh, you know, allocating those dollars is going to be very important to get the most out of your your cap bang for your buck, if you will. So, so how do you move move forward kind of in assessing those two guys in particular, and pretty much all the players, you know, going forward here, and uh, how you can kind of, as you said, you make those hockey trades uh, with those guys kind of being healthy scratches. Is, is are there certain players that you're looking uh, to find maybe a different situation for and maybe get some relief in that regard?
1: Well, you know, look, every player wants to play all the time, and, and uh, if a player isn't going to fit into um, your team and isn't going to be a regular contributor, um, then I think you got to look at what's best for the player of the organization in, in every regard. Now, you know, I, I think in, in Shane's case, it's, it's a little bit hard. He was dealing with some health issues this year. He did get healthy. Um, you know, he just was never able to, to kind of get in the lineup on a consistent basis. And who's to say that wouldn't change with the full training camp if he comes back feeling 100% and is able to gain some confidence in camp and get his game going? Uh, that, that might translate differently next year. Van Riemsdyk was a player that, as the playoffs went on, he did play a bigger and bigger role. Uh, he was in the lineup consistently at the end, and actually his ice time continued to improve. He made an impact. So, you know, the, both of those situations are fluid. They can change. Uh, you know, so I, I guess I would just say, look, they're no different than anybody else. You, you know, you just try to get a sense of where they're going to fit. If they're going to have important roles, then I don't think you have any issues. If they're not going to have important roles, then uh, no different than any player on their team. I think you got to look at what's best for the player and the individual.
0: One of those players that could really give you guys a shot in the arm is, is Nolan Patrick. We, we know he missed the entire season dealing with the migraine issue. I can't think of a worse thing to have to deal with, by the way. Uh, he's a very skilled young player. He was taken number two for a reason. Perhaps cause could have been taken number one if he wasn't uh, dealing with some injury stuff around the draft. Now, after missing this season, though, with the migraine issue, um, what's the update on his health? And, and secondly, uh, as an RFA, how do you kind of approach that contract and structure it? Uh, for a player that uh, hasn't played, you know, did play an entire shift for a season heading into his RFA, RFA year?
1: Well, the, uh, in terms of his health, he's uh, feeling better. This is the best he's felt uh, in a long time. And um, he's uh, skating, he's working out, uh, golfing, living a normal life, uh, sleeping much better um, based on our conversations with him. So, you know, but until we get him back into, uh, a faster paced uh, contact environment. It'll be tough to know exactly where he's at, but he, he is progressing and, and uh, things are pointing in the right direction. You know, with respect to the contract, we'll have to sit down with the agent. There's different ways you can go about it. Uh, but really our priority has been, let's just get him back to full health. Uh, he's a young man that uh, his quality of life was certainly diminished last year. Let's get him healthy. Let's get him uh, enjoying life again. And, and uh, once that happens, the hockey will, will, will follow. And, uh, and if we can get him a healthy, happy Nolan Patrick back, we're going to have a hell of a hockey player to add to our team.
0: People don't realize how skilled he is, do they? Uh, I mean, he oh. is uh, – I talked to Angela Ricci, your, your skills coach, and he's a guy that's worked out elite players, NHL players for decades. And he said this, just the stride, the hands, the complete package is there. Is it just a, you know, a situation of getting into the NHL, staying healthy, and getting into a rhythm as a player, knowing he belongs?
1: Yeah, absolutely, he. I, I think he was trending the way a lot of young players trend. Your first two years in the league, I think he had thirty points each year, but you know he wasn't playing uh, a massive role. He was he was learning the league. I mean, he was still really a boy, just a young kid. And uh, certainly, there's been a lot of players that uh, have shown massive improvements in their third and fourth and fifth year in the league. So, I think he was trending the right way. What I like about Nolan, he has size. Uh, he has skill, he can shoot the puck, so he's got the offensive talent, but he's a pretty good player defensively, too, for his age. And, you know, we were just really hopeful that uh, going into last year, but certainly going forward, that if you can have Couturier, Nolan, and Kevin Hayes as a start down the middle, you have three guys that are all big guys with offensive skill who can play on the defensive side of the puck as well. And it gives you, you know, three tough matchups for the other team. And, you know, he's a guy that uh, – I think projects to have a very good career in this league, and uh, you know, you look at the playoff series we just came through. They're fast, uh, they're physical, and you need to make uh, quick decisions on the ice in, in a high-contact environment. And no one's a guy that can play that kind of hockey and and uh, had tremendous success in the playoffs in junior going back. So. He's a guy that I think can really have a positive impact on this franchise going forward.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm looking forward to, to seeing him resume his career. I think he's a special talent. Uh, Oscar Lindblom, he made it all the way back. Wow, what a story. He got into two games after this emotional journey. Now, you extended his contract uh, during the pause as well. What did it mean to you personally kind of to witness his story going all the way back from, you know, kind of learning who the person was when, when you were hired to diagnosis, to treatment, and then getting back on the ice and ultimately playing NHL playoff hockey.
1: Yeah. I remember the, one of the first games I was here as general manager, he was a healthy scratch. And (laughs) I remember speaking with Dave Haxtell and the coaching staff saying, look, you guys picked the lineup, but if he isn't going to play, I'm going to send him down to Lehigh Valley. I mean, he's a young kid. May as well have him playing 20 minutes a night in Lehigh Valley versus eating popcorn up in the press box. And, you know, from there, he had a massive second half uh, in 18-19. He was obviously, I think, uh, leading our team in goals at the time that he got the uh, really unfortunate news of, of the cancer diagnosis. And and then from there, his whole world, you know, changed dramatically. And, and But just uh, the courage and, and the positive attitude that he attacked his, his treatments and his rehab with have been remarkable. And to think that you know, here, we, you know, that he was back playing hockey and, and basically in August is, is remarkable. And, you know, his first game I thought he, he uh, you know, he played okay from a hockey perspective, but it was just amazing he was out there. But by the end of the second game, I thought he was one of our top three forwards. So if he can do that in two games yeah. after nine months of, of fighting cancer and not playing and not really being in game shape, you know, how exciting is it going into next year to think of, of where he can get to and, uh, a guy that was close to a 30 goal pace, you know, when, when his season ended in December. So we talk about the goal scoring woes we had in the playoff. Well, you arguably might be adding your best goal scorer to the lineup next year for, for nothing. And he's already signed for three years. So, you know, we're, we're optimistic. He's optimistic. You never know how the world ends up as we've seen this year, so many different ways. Uh, But, you know, we're, we're very excited about the future and Oscar's, uh, important role in this franchise going forward
0: yeah to me he's the the best story of 2020 in a year that we'd like to you know kind of crumple up and throw in the waste can uh he's been he's been a tremendous story uh as you prepare are the phones ringing a lot already i know teams you know once they're knocked out they were able to wheel and deal and we've seen some deals even in the division with the penguins uh, making that acquisition of caspari capitan amongst others um have the phones been ringing for the gms and is, is it going to be a pretty active market you think
1: well, the funny thing is when you're playing, teams are usually reluctant to call you because you're still playing. So I made a few calls uh, just because you have a lot of time when you're sitting in the bubble. Uh, and then the first few days after you get knocked out, nobody calls you because nobody wants to be that jerk that calls you after you've just been kicked in the head. <laughs> and uh, But the last couple of days, the phones are starting to ring. And, and uh, you know, it's hard to say. Um, every year it's the same thing. There's a rush of calls as soon as the season's over. Everyone wants to see if there's a potential fit. Uh, whether that leads to more activity, I believe it will, but, you know, time will tell. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do our due diligence. We'll be in contact with everybody here after this, uh, after our conversation here. I have a few people to call, and we'll get together with our hockey ops group and coaches next week and, and uh, you know, just continue to get ready for potential trades, the draft, free agency and everything is going to happen in the next three to four weeks. So it's going to be a really exciting month here.
0: I will right, well just leave the zoom open and uh, I'll listen in and I won't report anything. <laughs> uh, as as Chuck, long as
1: you're willing to give me advice. Cause I could use some. So that'd be good.
0: You, don't, you don't want it from me. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a busy and frenetic off season for sure. And uh, thanks for doing this. Thanks for your availability all season long. It's been tremendous. We're looking forward to another great progressive step for the organization coming up next season. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time today.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Anytime.
0: Special thanks to Chuck Fletcher for joining us on this edition of Flyers Daily. And, well, he's got a very interesting job and a uh, more complex job this summer and this offseason than perhaps he's had at any point in his NHL career. When you're prognosticating as a general manager, uh, signing your unrestricted free agents last offseason, or restricted free agents like Kevin, like Travis Konechny or Ivan Provorov, who we got those RFA deals done last year, and of course the big unrestricted free agent signing of Kevin Hayes, it's all with the plan that the cap is going to go up based on estimates. And the estimates were anywhere between 85 and a to $88 million for this year. That's what Chuck Fletcher and every other NHL GM was planning on. But obviously when the pause happened and a flat cap situation for this year and perhaps the next couple of years, uh, that will uh, make these GMs, uh, the puzzle pieces a little bit more difficult to fit together. Uh, but that being said, the Flyers in a good position with a lot of young players on the rise and As I've stated here on Flyers Daily before, uh, putting those puzzle pieces together is going to have to include getting contributions from young players on entry-level contracts that are not eating up a lot of cap space. So that's part of the equation uh, for the Flyers. It's part of the equation for every NHL team. The ability to shed salary maybe in certain areas could be a part of that equation as well. And uh, we'll see if that phone rings, as we alluded to in the end of that conversation there. Uh, for the uh, Flyers general manager to be able to make some hockey trades. Uh, I do expect it to be a pretty robust trading period. It's already began with some teams that were already knocked out of the playoffs. We'll see if the Flyers are included in that over the next several weeks as a roster begins to take shape under, again, that $81.5 million salary cap ceiling for the Philadelphia Flyers. All right, back to a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule for the offseason starting on Monday. So with that, I say to you all, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday's episode of Flyers Daily, and it will be presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Supporting our Flyers, Penn Orthopedics creates the ideal care plan with treatment options fueled by our own world-renowned research doing what once seemed impossible so you can too. Another reason why your life is worth Penn Medicine. Learn more at pennmedicine.org ortho and give them a follow on Twitter at Penn Medicine. We'll talk to you on Monday's episode of Flyers Daily.